0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide episode 435. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. And before we get on with the show this week, I thought I would just tell you guys that TechGuide is celebrating its 10th birthday. Yes, on January the 24th, 2011, I started the Tech Guide website after working for the Daily Telegraph. I left the Daily Telegraph in December 2010 and six short weeks later, Tech Guide was born and I just want to take this opportunity to thank you all for your support, for visiting the website, supporting the website, listening to this podcast of course which is 9 years old, approaching 10 years next year But uh, and a big shout out to to all of you guys, thank you for your support and we, we love bringing you all the news that keeps you updated, educated, giving you the latest news and reviews in a way you can understand and appreciate. On with the show. Is the Google threat to cut off its search engine in Australia just one big bluff? The best phones under 500 to buy for your child and the new Norton app that can completely secure your smartphone. In the tech guide reviews we're going to take a look at the Tado smart AC control that makes your air conditioner smart and intuitive, the Xiaomi Mi smartwatch that is less than 100 bucks and the Seat gaming chair that can give you the edge and we'll answer all of your tech questions in the tech guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, it was quite a big story late last week when Google in the midst of their parliamentary inquiry talking with the uh, with the, some uh, government representatives over the news media bargaining code. Now for those who aren't aware of what this is, this has been going on for several months now. It was actually proposed by the ACCC and then obviously ACCC being a, a, one of the government departments was open for discussion, and the basis of it is to give news media outlets compensation for links and news stories being shared and linked via Google and via Facebook and other platforms to so to, to compensate the news organisations in that regard. Now, People are saying, "Well, why do they need compensation? They're getting they're getting all of these traffic, and it works for me too." Tech Guide. I rely on Google Search. Sixty percent of my traffic to the Tech Guide website is from Google Search. I don't want any money for that. I'm happy for Google just to index my site. I I I try to rank as best I can using using keywords and all these various things that you do. So I'm not after any money. I'm happy with with the readership I'm getting. It's grown over the 10 years really nicely. I've got a big audience and I don't want any money. But for the large media companies who provide the journalism that Google links to, that Facebook shares, this this is the issue for them. The issue for them is that Google and Facebook have such a massive monopoly when it comes to digital media and digital media advertising. So what we're seeing is that most of the advertisers are now choosing to spend their money with Facebook and Google rather than on the news sites where, where their users are being dropped off. So because of the Google has 95% of the search market, Facebook has billions of users around the world, daily regular users, they're in this massive position of power And obviously, with that power comes a lot of financial benefit. They're making lots of money. Google in 2019, I don't think I have the 2019, 2020 figure, but the 2019 figure for Google in Australia, they made, they generated $5 billion in revenue and they generated $160 billion globally. So they're doing pretty good. They're making money, and they're making money off the sweat of other people in in the case where they're linking to these websites, they're bringing people there, and they're making money from those links, they're making money of the data of people going to those links. So the news media organisations who are seeing ad revenues reducing, they're dwindling, they're these are the companies, and it's mainly look. It's mainly Murdoch Press, you know. So that's News Limited, who I used to work for. Uh, it's also uh, Channel Nine, which now owns the Fairfax Press, also and now owns the Macquarie Radio Network. Uh, so all of the all of those in one. So they're the big companies that are seeing a decline in their ad revenue. From their perspective, their thought is journalism costs money. To, for us to, uh, to employ a staff of crack journalists who break these stories, find these stories, write these stories, film and record these stories, they are creating the content that Google is eventually linking to. To maintain that kind of quality, it takes money. Good journalism is not free. So their argument is that we still we're suffering because you guys have sort of cornered the digital market we you're yet you're linking to our stories great eyeballs are coming but the advertisers are not so it's it's a sort of a 50-50 bet there from google's perspective google is saying well we're bringing you lots of eyeballs we're bringing you lots of clicks we're bringing you lots of people in fact Earlier this year you may recall that Google wrote or not earlier this year I should say in 2020 it's 2021 now in 2020 Google actually wrote an open letter when the when the news media bargaining code was was suggested for the very first time and it was a letter that was meant to meant to sort of cause panic among people, and they were saying it's going to hurt how we use search, it's going to hurt YouTube. The the, 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 the wording of it was really alarmist kind of wording, and they were saying that the the media code would affect search, put data at risk. Uh, so they were really sort of the sky's sort of falling approach to this whole thing. Facebook when this when the open letter from Google w- was published Facebook also threatened a similar ban where they were going to ban users from sharing news content on the platform if if it had to pay for news content under the code they weren't going to let anyone share any news which which would be also a drastic measure too now Google has turned around just last week and said if the news media bargaining code goes ahead in its present form then we will be forced to we'd have no other choice but to cut off search in australia i'm, I'm going to find you her exact quote she prime minister scott morrison even got involved so the, the, it was it was a pretty big deal what she said uh, miss silver her, her name the, the head head of of google in australia uh is named her name is Mel Silver. She's the Australian Managing Director. And she said this was her quote from last week. She said that shutting off Google search in Australia would be, quote, our worst case scenario. We do not we do not want to put be put in this situation. We would love to get an outcome where there is a workable outcome for all parties. End quote. That's what Miss Silver said. Scott Morrison jumped in and yeah, while he was kind of backing his own ministers, he was sort of in a bit of a lecture mode, sort of telling... it's He was saying, let me be clear, Australians make our rules for things that Australians can do in Australia. It's done by our government, and that's how things work in Australia. People who want to work with that in Australia, you're very welcome, but we don't respond to threats, I think. Yeah, he, he look good on him. He was backing up his ministers and backing up his government. Uh, but I don't think you need to lecture a company like Google in how things operate in Australia. They're pretty well aware of that. Uh, but the, the the line there where the th- he he said we don't respond to threats, I, I think that that's kind that that's exactly what this is. I think. Uh, this, this is a major threat that i think is just a massive bluff they'd never go ahead with this this if they cut off search in australia it would be devastating to their business and it would perhaps cause a precedent around the world other markets they may look at this and think well we need our own me- news media bargaining code so let's let's get our money's worth so the, the rest of the world's watching here i understand some parts of the world don't want to, don't want a media bargaining code they're happy with how google's operating at the minute Google's a US company, so I don't think the US government's gonna to try to tax Google any more for sharing news news articles, but Australia is a different market of the US. And look, I applaud the Australian government, ACCC, for trying to go into bat for Australian media companies. Uh, this, we, we seem to be the first in a lot of parts of the world where these sorts of laws are, are being at least looked at. Like we recently talked about how the new cyberbullying laws and, and all those things, that, that's a real world-first kind of legislation that, that is great. This, this perhaps could be a, also a world-first type of legislation that may, may have effect in other parts of the world. But for now, I think there has to be a middle ground. Uh, if 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 google if they can if the, if they go ahead with this threat which they won't the, the, this threat is like cutting off their leg. It's a major part of their business search. They make a lot of money from search. They sell AdWords. They, they, it's an advertising It's an advertising tool for them as well. So I don't think they're going to go that far. They've kind of done, they've over here. I think they've bought, you know, that, that term, you bought a knife to a gunfight when you're underprepared for something. I think they've done the opposite. They've bought a gun to a knife fight. They've, they've pulled out a big gun and w- when that size of threat was, wasn't warranted. We'll see where this goes. As I said, I cannot see at Google uh, cutting off search for Australians that that would be devastating to their business. We're devastating to Australians too because we use Google a lot, me included. And I'm I'm really not uh, not really happy of the idea of, of of my readers not being able to find my stories and find my website because Google no longer exists. I think it'll be it'll be very it'd be devastating to businesses. In fact. It would, be, it would take it to the opposite extreme. If, if the media companies are complaining about the, the revenue they're missing out now, if Google cut off search completely, their revenue would be even worse because n- hardly any people would be able to find their sites. Readership w- would perceivably go down. So look, I think it's we need to find this symbiotic s- system where one helps the other, one needs the other to exist and vice versa, uh, and They they need to find a way forward that's fair to both parties, that is not in in favour of one particular party, that's fair and reasonable and that we can move ahead then with all parties then happy with the outcome. Because uh, if, if the government's not going to budge, then there could be consequences. It won't be that the search is cut off. They all, all Google will need to do is change an algorithm, change something that will then prevent new sites, more major new sites from from being found through their search engine. But the fact that the, the, the threat of them cutting off search completely, a massive bluff will never happen hopefully there's an outcome sooner rather than later that all parties will be happy with I've written about this if you want to hear read the background just understand exactly what's happening and all the, all the things that have gone on in the past with Facebook as well and with Google now moving forward you can check all of that out at techguide.com.au This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenwick Well, let's change gears completely here, and it's back to school time this week. I hear some parents might be might be cheering in the background there. The kids are going back to school after summer, uh, but you know what? Uh, one of the apart from you having to buy your child, and you may have a son or daughter, you may have both going back to school. It's the traditional January exercise where you're buying new school new school shoes and new school uniforms. You're buying uh, all all kinds of things: exercise books, pens, everything they need for school. One of the other things you might be considering too, your child uh, for their back to school journey is a new smartphone. And I know uh, from my own experience, my children, when they started high school, was when they got their first smartphones. And this was because they were catching public transport. I wanted them to have a way to contact me or their mother so that they can just stay in touch. And naturally, when with a smartphone comes a whole new set of rules, a whole thing you need to teach your child about, about using their phone in the appropriate way, uh, all of those things... That's, uh, that's the decision of the parent, the age the child gets the phone and how it's how it is, uh, it, it, the behaviour is, is, is monitored in the house. That's up to a parent to set those rules so that they can grow up using, being able to use their phone responsibly, but also in a sensible and safe way. But the other challenge here is, okay, it's time to buy the phone, but what phone do you buy? That's the big thing. I get that asked, asked that question a lot. And my suggestion for parents, if they are buying their child their first phone, is don't spend a lot of money. So good luck to you. If you can afford to give your child an iPhone 12, if you've got that kind of money, God bless you and your child, they're going to love it. An iPhone 12 is like 1200 to $1,800. If you can do that, then that's fantastic. But in reality, a lot of parents... Can't do that and shouldn't do that. So I've I've written a story on Tech Guide about the best phones under five hundred dollars for parents to buy their child. Uh, these sub five hundred dollar phones uh, have great cameras, nice big screens, good batteries, security the whole lot. Uh, let's go through them now. I think the I've always recommend this phone to people, even when I'm on the radio, you hear me talking about the Alcatel One SE. Now this is a $199 phone, under 200 bucks, but what you get, you get a lot of bang for your buck here. It's got a 6.22 inch screen, 13 megapixel triple rear camera system, three gig of RAM, 32 gig of indoor sto- internal storage, and also has a fingerprint reader for added security. Now that's got everything you need. It's running Android. All these phones, by the way, I'm mentioning under 500 are the cheapest iPhone you get. I think is the iPhone SE, which is 650 dollars. So if you're desperate for an iPhone, you can either buy the iPhone SE or a reconditioned iPhone, like an iPhone 7 and iPhone 8, that would be under 500 bucks. Uh, you can do that as well. These are new devices, all Android and all under 500. So the Alcatel One SE, 200 bucks, less than 200 bucks. Worst case scenario, a child breaks it, loses it, gets stolen you've only lost 199 bucks so it's not like they've lost an iPhone 12 that's like $1500 jumps out this is these are all phones that are affordable and if god forbid something happens to them or they lose them whatever you haven't you haven't uh, you haven't lost a lot of money next on the list is the TCL 10L now, this is, TCL has come a long way in the mobile phone space. This is a has four rear cameras, 6.53-inch screen, 64 gig of internal storage, 6 gig of RAM. So it's a, a step up from the Alcatel in terms of those features. But the most important feature here is the screen. It's amazing TCL Next Vision technology, which includes HDR. That's high dynamic range. So watching content on the device is really cool. Uh, and you've got to remember, the thing that your child wants is a camera, first and foremost so the camera has to be decent nice big screen to enjoy content and of course a battery that will last all day as well all of these also have uh, good batteries also samsung's galaxy a21 it's only $249 6 inch screen tft infinity o display Triple rear camera system so has an ultra wide lens plus an eight megapixel front facing camera, 4000 milliamp hour battery, too. So that's enough juice to get through an entire school day. Motorola has the G9 Play again, an all day all round device. Two-day battery life. It's got a huge 5,000 milliamp-hour battery. It has a 48-megapixel triple camera system on the back, and also takes pretty slick videos as well. Moving on to the Oppo A53s. I've just received this phone in for review, so expect it uh, to be hearing that review in a a week or two. This is a new phone. has a great design. Real has real flagship sort of feel, look, and feel. But it's only 349 bucks. 6.5-inch Neo display, 90 hertz refresh rate, 13 megapixel triple camera system, 8 megapixel front camera and a massive 5,000 milliamp hour battery as well on the Oppo. And finally, the Nokia 3.4, $249. I reckon a great value phone this one. The 3.4 has a 6.39 inch display, punch hole display front camera along with a triple rear camera system. Uh, Has a really nice texture to it, 3D nano textured rear cover, sort of changes colour as you move it, pretty smart, 249 bucks, the Nokia 3.4, so a pretty good selection there, phones under 500, they're not going to break the bank, uh, they are going to give a child a really good experience of, as their first device as well, their first smartphone, uh, and all, everything's there for you to check out, if you want to see all those pictures of the phones, the pricing, model numbers, everything is there for you to check out at techguide.com.au. Now, moving right along, we're going to talk about Norton, and yes, Norton is one of our fantastic sponsors, and they've just released the new Norton 360 app. Now, we've heard, we've been speaking uh, on the show. If you hear the uh, our sponsorship with Norton involves us talking about their new internet security software, which is people immediately perceive, well, internet security equals being on a computer, uh, and that is right. And those licenses can also, though, apply to your phone, a tablet, and other computers in your household as well, Uh, including if you do have an existing Norton account, you've bought some software with five licenses, one of those licenses can now be used for the Norton 360 for mobile app. It's had a significant upgrade here, so can really protect your device's security, online privacy, has identity protection features, similar to what you would find on your computer, uh, but it is now on your smartphone. This makes a lot of sense. A lot of people don't really think about securing their smartphone, despite the fact it's got all the same information, all those apps that you're running, banking apps, uh, all these things that have, have a lot of your personal information, photos, videos, a lot of things to protect on your phone. And in as a matter of fact, it's a mini computer that you're carrying around. Your smartphone, you might be listening to this very podcast on, the, on your smartphone. It's a little computer. And you know what? It is susceptible to cyber criminals because... The very fact that you can connect to the internet with this device is what puts you in danger. So whether it's you using a free Wi-Fi network and not you not having a VPN. Well, the Norton 360 for mobile app has a built-in VPN. The problem if you're using a, mo- a, mobile, a free wireless network, say you're at the airport or in a cafe, it is possible if you're logging into a network that doesn't require a password, free open network, it's possible that someone on that network, on the same network, could be snooping on what you're doing. It's called a man in the middle attack. They could be snooping, you, you connect to the same network as them, they can snoop out all the devices, what you're looking at, what you're typing, could be you could be entering your bank password. You don't know what you're doing. Norton 360 mobile app also has includes the secure VPN that locks you off from all those people, even when you are using that, the the uh, the free Wi-Fi. But it's not just that. It is what you search for. Whether you might even be you might be downloading an app that might have some sort of malicious code on board. Uh, this works, by the way, on for Android and iPhone. It does have Android. App Store, the Google Play Store monitoring so it's got a thing called App Advisor it scans Android apps before you download them to help protect from any mobile threats, malware ransomware because the Google Play Store is not as as strictly monitored as the Apple App Store. There's no need to have this feature for the App Store because the App Store goes through, Apple goes through every app with a fine tooth comb before they even allow it onto the App Store so they're doing that work for you. You can't hide code, malware, all those things uh, compromise privacy if it's an Apple App Store app but on the Google Play Store it's a different story you need to protect yourself with from privacy leaks ransomware all these things there's even an app advisor for your existing apps that you've already got on your phone so existing apps on Android any app updates you get it protects you from that as well Device security protects against vulnerabilities. They may may use to they can try to take control of your device, steal your personal information. There's also the Wi-Fi security alert. So if you if you're under attack, if you, if someone's eavesdropping on your Wi-Fi connection, trying to steal, you'll get a notification. That secure VPN helps you do that. Uh, It's also got web protection. So you can help protect your personal data from malicious sites because you can still visit malicious sites on your smartphone. Those sites might try to install ransomware, Trojans and other cyber threats on your phone. So another reason to have have protection. And of course, there's also the password manager, which I think is a really handy feature. So rather than you having to come up with all these passwords for every single site and worse, worse, worse than that, having the same password for every site you visit, the password manager can let you create all these different passwords it can do it for you and remember it all for you all you do is remember one password and this will be this password manager works across all your devices so if you have got this this Norton 6 360 on your laptop on your desktop on your phone or tablet it goes across all your devices so you don't need to remember your passwords the Norton 360 app for mobile is available as a standalone or can be part of an existing plan that uh, if you already have it. So if you've already purchased Norton 360 Premium, you can sign into the Norton 360 app on your Android smartphone or your iPhone with the very same login. If you want to find out more about that, check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, work, gaming, video calling and more? And what happens if you're doing all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Kicking off our reviews this week is a really cool smart product. It's the Tado, T-A-D-O, Smart AC Control. Now, I don't know about you, but my air conditioner is getting quite a workout this summer. It's been pretty hot. I'm in Sydney. We've had a bit of a heat wave over this Australia Day long weekend, and uh, having your air conditioner on is a, is a godsend. But you know what? What would be even better than that is having smart control of your air conditioner, and with the addition of this Tato Smart AC Control, you can do just that. Now, this is a device, it's smaller than a CD case, fits in the palm of your hand, it's actually then mounted on the wall near your existing AC controller or your actual AC unit, and it can turn it into... A regular from a regular AC to smart AC. And what it does, it connects to, it. first of all, you register on the, the Taito app, create an account, uh, you scan the barcode, the QR code on the back of the device, it'll recognize it, connect it to your Wi-Fi, and then you need to then identify the make and model of your air conditioner uh, you can also, if your air conditioner has a remote control with a display, you can also aim the remote control at the, the tato control unit and it'll then confirm the make and model of the air conditioner that way as well. Now, word of warning, if your air conditioner does not have a remote with a display, it won't work. So you need to have an air conditioner that has a display on the remote as well. So from at a glance on the remote, you can see the temperature, all your controls, you can see it on the display. Having a a remote without a display would mean that your air conditioner is slightly older and not compatible with the Tado Smart AC Control device. If you've got the display, you can continue and pair your air conditioner to the unit so what happens the unit is connected to your Wi-Fi the the unit then recognize you, what type of air conditioner you have so then when you use your smartphone the app on your smartphone to turn it on turn it off set the temperature it talks to the Tato unit which then control sends an infrared signal to the AC uh, to, to control it as well so you're passing on control uh, it's like a universal remote control but for your air conditioner. I'm sure you've heard of those for your television. This works for your AC. And because it's connected to Wi-Fi, you can be anywhere on your network for it to work. You can even be outside of your home for it to work as well, because it is, after all, a smart device. So when it's all set up, the device is paired you've got the home you've got your Tato app running as well you're ready to go and by the way the device is also home kit compatible so iphone users can add it to their other smart devices in the home app and you can control it with siri uh, it also uh, works with google assistant and alexa so either one of those if you've got a smart speaker you can then make make use of uh, make use your voice to control it turn it on turn it off any of those commands that you want and once you're connected Your AC system's paired, you're ready to go, and then you can wirelessly control the unit from the app wherever you are. Now, having that kind of convenience is only part of the story, though. Because you have now a smart device, you can do things like set schedules, set a command where the unit turns on at a certain time turns on at a certain temperature and turns off at a certain time and off at a certain temperature. So if the temperature in your house hits 29 degrees, you might say, turn on the AC and set it for 22 degrees. And then similarly, once the temperature, the outside temperature goes down to 22 degrees, you might instruct the unit, turn it off. So no need for you to walk over to your unit, look for your remote control and do that. You can set that, that schedule in through the app quite easily. So apart from the scheduling though, you can also set a geofence for your AC. So when you arrive home, uh, it'll turn on and when you leave your home, it'll turn off. So you don't even have to remember. Once it detects you've left your house, turn off. Once it detects you're back, it'll turn it back on again. Here's my favourite feature. If you know it's a hot day, you're coming home to your home or your unit, your apartment, you can turn the AC on before you get home. So you come home to a nicely cooled apartment, a cooled house, so you're not sweating it out when you get home. You, you can relax in a nice, cool environment. And, and the good thing about it too is that the app also can check local weather forecasts and automatically regulate the temperature in your home. So it knows that there's a hot day coming up, so it'll, it'll prepare to turn on at a certain temperature, however you set it up. It can even detect if a window's open. So it'll say, look, we've detected a window open nearby. Should we turn off the AC to save energy? So you're getting that as well. So it's not only just about convenience, it's also about efficiency as well. Uh, so have, having that can save a bit of money on your electricity bill. Air conditioners tend to really burn, uh, they, they use a lot of power, to, especially if you're running them all day and all night. I'm sure plenty of people who've been sleeping through hot nights uh, wouldn't have got through that without their air conditioner. So having this unit gives you a lot of smart control over what you can do, when you can do it, and from from where you can do it as well. In the box, you get the unit, which is mounted on the wall. Uh, Included with it are adhesive strips. It also comes with its own power supply and a USB cable. Uh, So you've got to remember, it needs to be positioned close to a power point. Uh, It's available now. It's priced at hundred and seventy nine dollars uh, it has. It does have the front of the unit does display the temperature, the system status. So there is a little display on the front, so you can see at a glance the temperature uh, and and see the adjustments you, you're making. Uh, so really easy to set up, really easy to use as well. And again, voice control through HomeKit, Alexa, uh, Amazon. Uh, sorry, Google Assistant, and also has IFTTT, which is if this then that. So you can set up a little applet so to for for you know when when I leave home. This happens when it reaches a certain temperature. This happens, although, that you can do that within the, the Tato app anyway. But if you're an IFTTT enthusiast, you can add this to your list as well. The Tato Smart AC Control, if you want to see what it looks like and read our review, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Now we're all about saving your money on this podcast. Earlier, we were talking about phones under five hundred bucks that would be good for your child. Well, how about a smartwatch that has exercise monitoring, heart rate monitoring, all those smart features? You can tell when you're getting a call, text, all those notifications. How would you like all that on your wrist for less than a hundred dollars? Well, with the Xiaomi Mi Watch Lite. That's exactly what you get. Schwami, very big brand. They have a a tendency to offer these really affordable products, high quality, yet affordable. So the Mi Watch Lite is the latest example here, $99.95, so it's under $100, can still track your steps, can still track your sleep. It can recognize 11 11 different forms of indoor and outdoor exercise. Also has GPS on board, would you believe? So GPS, if you're a runner, if you want to monitor yourself, uh, GPS not only maps where you go, but it can also do things like uh, tracking your speed, your direction, distance so GPS is hyper accurate for those, for that kind of information and this sub $100 watch has that on board as well now it doesn't have a sim card it doesn't have that uh, LTE on board it's it's it connects via an android watch or your iphone with uh, through the app. So it works with Android, works with iPhone. So it, it's system agnostic. Works with whatever type of phone you have, you can pair it. So if, if you buy an Apple Watch, for example, it only works if you've got an iPhone. So if you don't, if you got an iPhone but don't want to spend the same amount of money to get an Apple Watch but you still want a smartwatch, this could potentially be your solution. Now, the 11 different types of exercise, uh, both indoor and outdoor, include running, uh, treadmill, cycling and indoor cycling, open water swimming and pool swimming, cricket, trekking, trail running and walking and there's also an exercise that's freestyle. So that's kind of, I think, the catch-all that if it's not any of those other exercises, it must be freestyle. So that's not a swimming stroke, that's just freestyle. Whatever you're doing, you might be doing a spin class or you might be doing a F45 class. That's, I think, the freestyle it's talking about. Uh, So it'll have your, your speed, Steps, calories burned, distance, with the GPS on board as well. But it's also it can measure your heart rate. So it measures your heart rate while you're exercising, keeps track of your resting heart rate, and can even give you a notification if your heart rate rises above or falls below normal heart rates, as well as monitoring long-term heart rate changes as well. And all this can be seen in the app, the the um, the Me. The Xiaomi Wear app is what you have for Android. The Xiaomi Wear Lite app is what works on iOS and has a comprehensive uh, rundown of all your details, your, your fitness information, health information, everything's aboard. And of course too, it's a smartwatch, so you're going to get incoming call notifications, text messages, app notifications, and if you happen to be listening to music on your on your phone, you can control the playback on the watch as well. And you know what, on the battery side, if you're not using GPS, nine-day battery life. But if you're into your running, you're using GPS a lot, so if you've got the sports mode on constantly, guess what, that nine-day battery life shrinks down to 10 hours. So it basically comes down to a normal rate of usage for a smartwatch. But if you're not using GPS, then it'll last a long, long time. But it's, it's a sort of thing to encourage exercise. Uh, it even has a notification so if you're si- if you're sitting still for an extended period, it will say, "Oi, get up, do something, walk around. We want to see some movement from you." So, uh, and even has sleep tracking too. So, you can wear this to bed and then in the app see all your sleep data as well. The Xiaomi Mi Watch Lite, $99.95, pretty good deal if you ask me. If you want to check it out, you can read all about it at techguide.com.au. <music> Well, next up, we're going to talk about a chair and not just any old chair. This is a gaming chair. This is the Ander Seat Fanatic Edition and Fanatic spelled without an A. I just like how they have their own exclusive little spelling Fanatic, so no A, F N A T I C, Fanatic Edition. This is what I've called on my story on Tech Guide a serious chair for serious gamers and this is uh and seat are now one of the leading brands of game chair manufacturers they're now available in australia and you know what they're already known for building race car seats for mercedes-benz and bmw so they are uh, their, rep- their reputation precedes them so they've brought all those smarts to building a gaming chair now Growing demand—the demand for gaming chairs is huge, growing constantly, uh, in, especially in, this, in the e-sports industry, which is huge. But gamers like you and me—we want to have our best chance as well. So having a seat like this can provide comfort that you're playing for a long time, is adjustable to your needs and your ergonomics, uh, and and can give you that level of comfort, that level of convenience, that will help you perform to the best of your abilities. Uh, And the thing about this is is comfort. It's made from PVC leather, the same material found inside BMW and Mercedes-Benz vehicles, by the way. Solid support for your spine. Uh, This is important, especially during long gaming sessions. You need to maintain your posture after all, so you need to be comfy. Uh, comfy players are good players happy players uh, we checked out the fanatic edition uh, but there is there are also there's the Kaiser 2 series which is $549.99 and there's the jungle series which is $369.99 now the difference the fanatic edition is $650 although I've seen it for $599 I think it's on special $599 I've seen it for official price is $650 but I have seen it for $500 uh, $600 I should say Um and what comes with the, the difference here is that it has more adjustments. So the backrest adjusts further. The armrest adjusts further. Uh, you can adjust the height further. So the more money you're paying, you're kind of getting... Same sort of comfort level, same sort of material. It's just the level of comfort, the level of adjustment that changes between the two models. Now with the Fanatic Edition, the armrest had like four way control. So I could lower them, raise them, move them forward, move them back, uh, change their angle and do all those sorts of things. The backrest, I had a lot more control so I could move it back, move it forward. Uh, The base was actually quite generous too in size. The, the Fnatic Edition is 139 centimetres tall um, and that's its maximum height. Seat depth of 55 centimetres, so even my big backside fit in the seat really easily. Seat width of 44 centimetres, backrest height of 87 centimetres, backrest shoulder width of 60.5. So it's a generous seat. It, even if I'm a big guy, I fit in it really nicely, comfortably. The armrest, 27 centimetres long, so good support if you want to rest your elbows on it so it's a more stable way to hold your controller the armrest height can be adjusted from 32.5 to 39.5 so all these adjustments every player is different so that's why you got the choice here and it is made from that PVC leather material it's a class 4 hydraulic gas lift on board as well so easy height adjustment and it all rests on this, this really strong hot, uh, 5 star aluminium base and it's got wheels on board can handle up to 200 kilos as well so uh, all, all those add up to pretty good credentials. Uh, and apart from height adjustment, you can adjust the seat and backrest. Uh, the, there's a lockable tilt mechanism as well. And it also comes with a lumbar support pillow and a headrest. So you can adjust the headrest so that you're seated comfortably. Uh, and all, all of those additional pillows, like the soft velvet pillow, pillows, the headrest are made from form-fitting memory foam. So look, if you're serious about your gaming and you're serious about your comfort, then a seat their reputation uh, speaks speaks uh, you know precedes them. They're, they're good makers, really high quality chair. Took me a little while to put it together. There's a lot to do, but. Solid, solid all the way. Really well constructed, very strong, uh, and, and everything you need to build it. By the way, is in the box. All the screws, the Allen keys, everything is there. The Andesite Fanatic Edition, uh, six forty nine ninety five. I've seen it for for six hundred six, which would be five ninety nine ninety five. Um, you can buy it on Amazon. It's available now. If you want to take a look at it, see what it looks like. It's orange and black, by the way, the Fanatic Edition, but there are others that are just black that have, I think, yellow highlights. Uh, another one has red highlights. But check them out. You can see uh, a link to the store, and you can see all the images of the Fanatic Edition that I had, the orange and black seat. Uh, and look, if you're serious about your gaming, you should be serious about where you sit as well, and these new seats uh, could do the trick. If you want to read all about them, though, Check it out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fanneck. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. There's been a rapid increase in cybercrime with constant data breaches, online scams, and ransomware, just to name a few. Norton's all-in-one cyber safety solution, Norton 360 Premium, now comes with dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock, which helps notify you if your personal information is discovered on the dark web. It also includes device security and secure VPN with bank-grade encryption to help keep you private, online, plus a password manager, PC safe cam and more. With Norton's award-winning security and globally trusted protection across 50 million customers, rest assured Norton 360 Premium with dark web monitoring is the all-in-one protection for your devices and data. Norton 360 Premium is available now at leading retailers. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Yes, the Tech Guide Help Desk is uh, brought to you by our good friends at Belkin. Uh, they are fantastic supporters of the Tech Guide website. Uh, they are the place to go where you can want to buy your cables, you want to buy a mount for your phone, a mag product, you name it, batteries. They've got the solution, belkin.com forward slash au. Now, I had a very interesting question, which I'm going to discuss right now on the, on the Tech Guide Help Desk. And this was from a reader who wanted to set up a bit of a man cave but not just for watching movies, but for riding his, his bike. He's got an indoor spin bike that's one of those bikes that has a, uh, you can connect it to an iPad and it can then run various apps so that you can, like you're in the countryside and all your information is in front of you. And his question was, can I connect the bike to a television, so that he's got a decent-sized TV, so the nice big screen at the front uh, would would reflect. Then where he might be riding around the English countryside or on the Tour de France, wherever he wants to be. Now, some of the apps, uh, one of the apps that he used, that would be used is called Zwift, Z W I F T, Swift but with a Z. And yes, you can connect this to your television. There's a couple of ways you can do it. You can connect the bike to an iPad and then. Air, if your TV has airplay, you can then just you can mirror your screen on the television. The other way of doing it is to get a physical cable from the iPad to the TV. So with an adapter, it'll connect then to the HDMI port from the iPad and then you're in business. The other way you can do it is if you if you don't have AirPlay on your TV, you can buy an Apple TV that will give you uh, AirPlay and then allow you to display the TV the Swift app on your television. The best ways would be the adapter, Apple TV and using the adapter plug or AirPlay through Apple TV or if you're lucky enough to have AirPlay already in your TV you can then put that up on the screen and then be enjoying that all that uh, the beautiful imagery and video while you're riding on your bike and uh, he also said he wants to have it so it can be, obviously watch movies and things and he wanted, I think he said his budget was around $7,000 so my suggestion would be well the bike itself's worth a couple of thousand bucks TV you can buy, decent sized TV for two, two and a half thousand dollars maybe three if you want to get an OLED and you can also then, I suggested rather than going a receiver and multiple speakers I suggested a soundbar with a subwoofer and rear speakers uh, which will be a couple of thousand bucks as well so probably sneak in under seven and you still have a fantastic experience whether you're riding your bike or watching your favourite movie. And that is the end of the road for us for this week. Uh, That's the end of our show. Everything we've talked about, you can read at techguide.com.au. And we'd love to hear from you. Get in touch with us. Email info at techguide.com.au. A special thanks to you guys, 10 years of Tech Guide. Thank you for all the support. But we also want to thank our, our sponsors for their support as well. Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs. And Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Please support the sponsors that support tech guide thank you for listening we look forward to you joining us again next week so until then stay safe and stay connected